fasting, or that season when you're struggling, having given up all the things that you really love to eat or enjoy, and you're thinking, oh no, when is it going to end? Or does it mean anything? I don't know. Well, this morning we are learning from Jesus. Last week, we were learning from Daniel. We're looking at the story of Daniel about being wholly devoted to God. We're learning from Jesus this morning. We are always learning from Jesus, but very specifically today, looking at this section of Jesus' baptism and him being led into the wilderness. So if you want to follow it in your Bibles, there are Bibles under your chairs, or every now and then it will come up on the screen. We are in Mark chapter 1, from verse 9 to 15. We are invited to be pilgrims in the wilderness. Jesus was led into the wilderness. We are invited to be those on a journey, journeying with Jesus and looking to him and learning from him every day. And so we find ourselves in this first scene, the scene of baptism at the river in verse 9 to 11. And Jesus arrives on the scene. Previously, John has been preaching. He has been feasting on locusts and honey with his rough voice crying out, block your ears in case this is too loud for you. Repent! For the kingdom of God is at hand. He had no microphone. David was trying to turn me up, but I had turned myself off because John didn't have a microphone. David, I was trying to illustrate. What's the point of what John was preaching? It is this. And so Jesus comes in in this scene. He arrives and he comes to be baptized as well. And at his baptism, we find this. These words in verse 11. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. In you I am well pleased. Jesus, God the Son, receives affirmation from God the Father in this moment. And that is such a significant statement such a significant scene to see and to witness by all the people who are there. We know that baptism points to crucifixion and death and the resurrection of Jesus. The Messiah's act of rescue is here at this point, at the beginning of his ministry, glimpsed in baptism. Baptism is happening here today for Jalen. And there is something significant. I said, if you haven't been baptized yet and are thinking about it, baptism is such an important thing because it helps us to see, it's almost like a visual aid there as Jesus starts, this is what my ministry 
is all about. There is a suffering that is coming. There is a death that is coming, but there is a resurrection that is coming because the baptism that I have done here for the child has been one of drenching with water from the head. If I did a full immersion, which we will do, and if you would like one of those, do let me know, you are completely immersed in the water and then you come out again. Symbolically, that there is a dying and there is a rising. That's the point of this. That immersion in there. Jesus came into our world. From heaven you came, helpless babe. Came into our world. That he would save us. That he would identify with us. And he would walk this dusty, dirty, rough road with us. So that he's not distant from us, but he comes and connects with us. So that when we see him, we know that he gets us. He understands us. He gets us. He's not distant out there. He's been through this journey before. Jesus had no sin. He had no sin, yet he took yours and my sin upon himself. He was the only, only perfect lamb or sacrifice that could do this. Because God had tried all through the Old Testament, he had tried different people. He had counted on them, but they all let him down. And he thought, well, there is one. I will come down myself. And so he came down. Jesus came down that he might save you and me. This voice, let's, let's, let's hear this voice again. Let, read that with me. And where it says son, put the word child or put your name there. Shall we read it together? One, two, three. And a voice came from heaven. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Okay, put your name just before the you. Okay, shall we try that again? And a voice came from heaven, St. John's. You are my child, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. The Father's affirmation here is not hidden. It's not done quietly behind the scenes. It's in public. We ask, why is baptism done in public? It's a public witness. You might feel, oh, I'm too shy to demonstrate or share the gospel. Well, in this sacrament of baptism, we, we say to everybody, we are followers of Jesus. I love him. And so, as Jesus is demonstrating this, his Father is saying these words so everybody can hear. This is my son. Hear it now at the beginning before he sets out in ministry. A question or a challenge for us. If you're a leader or a parent or a coach or a manager or anybody with some responsibility somehow, somewhere, do you ever affirm the people that you lead or the children that you nurture? 
or whoever is under your care, what does the affirmation look like? Or is it mostly scolding or critiquing? Get on with it. Oi. I don't know what you use. So what, what do those people hear the most? Do they live in fear as they relate to you? Or is there that sense of affirmation? Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, before he has even set out to do anything, he hears this from his father. That's the starting point. You are my son. In you, I am well pleased. Not because of what you do or can do or are going to do, but because of who you are. Or more so because of who I am, says the Lord. Because of his grace. Because he made you and he knows you and he loves you. So he says these words to you. Kai, you are my son. Debbie, you are my daughter. And the list goes on. We could be here all day if I mention all your names. But he does that because he's God and he can. And he goes through daily each of your names and says, Alan, you are my son. In you, I am well pleased. And so then Jesus steps out to be tested in that confidence with the affirmation of his father's love. That's what, that's the spring in his step. It springs in the air now, isn't it? There is a spring in our steps. The spring in Jesus' step is that love and affirmation from his father. He can face anything because his father is behind him. He can face anything. Whatever life throws at him, he can face it because everybody has heard that his father is pleased with him. They know if they doubt that he is God, they know it now because he is saying it at the very beginning. The father is saying to the son, this is my son. So if anybody's doubting that he is God, they can hear it at that point. Oh, God the father said he was the son. So that must be right. We come to this scene of the wilderness. In verse 12, Jesus is led into the wilderness by God, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we are introduced to God, God the Son in Jesus. We hear the voice of God the Father. Jesus is led by God, the Holy Spirit. So we see the unity of God in the Godhead together here. It says Jesus is surrounded by wild beasts and is tempted. But the comfort is he is never alone. Angels are there with him. There is that presence of God with him. The Holy Spirit leads him and he is there. And so he can boldly go into the wilderness and walk through it in that confidence and comfort of the Father's affirmation, but also of that presence, continued presence of the Holy Spirit with him. He is never alone. So when Jesus sends out his disciples in Matthew, we read that, Matthew 28, 
since 16 and 19, go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And law, I will be with you to the very end. I will be with you. So Jesus steps out in that confidence, knowing that he is not on his own. The Father affirms him. The Holy Spirit is with him. We daily each need that affirmation to hear it again. And we, and we can hear that through scripture because there are so many promises of God reminding us of his love for us. But also knowing that the Holy Spirit is with us and guides us and journeys with us. God is Emmanuel, the God who is with us. In the wilderness, Jesus demonstrates his authority over evil. He seems to be ready for battle. He's ready. Whatever is thrown at him, he comes back to it. You know, he's, they're almost like they're, they're, they're sparring on whatever jab or left hook is sent to him. He, kind of, he knows how to duck it. And if you're, if you're into boxing, maybe that's a different analogy for you. But he uses the word... It is written. It is written. Until finally there's a knockdown and he's taken out. But you can do the same. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18, talks about the armor. So if you understand the analogy of the armor of God better. As a child, we used to sing this one. And I don't know, I haven't sung it for years. But you'd say something like, Put on the sword of the spirit, la 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 the helmet of salvation, la 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 the breastplate of righteousness, la 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 the belt of truth and a shield of faith and the shoes of the gospel, the shoes of the gospel, the shoes of the gospel of peace. We need the armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, the helmet of salvation to guard our minds, the breastplate of righteousness. Our righteousness is like filthy rugs before God. We need his righteousness to guard us, a belt of truth. Jesus came with truth and grace in John 1, it tells us. We need those shoes of the gospel of peace, how beautiful are the feet of them that bring the good news. So we cannot stand in our own strength, but in the strength of the Lord. We cannot overcome evil in our own strength. We'll be knocked out like that. Jesus does it. We can do it, therefore, because greater is he who is in us than the enemy that is in the world. The thing is, though, it's easier to say these things, but when you're confronted with situations, what do you do? Do you always wait for Rihanna to come and help? Because Rihanna is very strong at praying, and without Rihanna, you cannot do anything. Or do you say, well, I've got God with me, so I'll just take a step. When Jalen starts walking... 
I don't know how much preparation you'll do, but you'll just watch maybe with your camera or video and hold that moment. He'll just take a step. That's all. People will say, I would like to pray for somebody to get better. I'd like to pray for a situation, but I don't know. What if I pray and nothing happens? And then I say, well, what if you pray and something happens? So which one do you prefer? Pray and nothing happens or try and pray and maybe seven times out of eight, nothing happens. But that one time out of eight, something might happen, just might happen. And that's how we live by faith is we just keep trying and try again and try again and try again because greater is he that is in me than the devil that is in the world. There is also a cost to discipleship, friends. There is a cost. This bit might not be as exciting as some of the others, but through the journey of Lent, we get to Monday, Thursday, and Jesus says this prayer. He prays, Lord, if it were possible to take this cup away from me, but not as I will, but as you will. The journey of life is true for all of us, to be born, to live, to die. But it doesn't end there. It doesn't have to end there. And that's the joy of the gospel, the good news. That's the point of baptism. That's the point of the resurrection is that because Jesus rose again, we have hope that as we journey through this life, the wilderness of life and all that it throws our way, all that it threw his way, he overcame because his eyes were glued to the cross and he knew that no matter what pain or suffering he went through, there was a resurrection that was coming. And so that is true for you and I. There is no hope in life otherwise, because life will always throw pain and trouble and failure and persecution, whichever way you go, whichever country you live in, in whichever way you live, it is the way of life. But in Christ... There's a difference. There is now no more death or pain in Jesus. And so that's when he overcomes this, he says to us, come to me. There is hope. That's the good news of the gospel that we preach. So as I bring this to a close, Remember a few things. First, that um, Jesus did not give in to temptation. He overcame persecution, pain, mockery, humiliation, sin, and death. He overcame them. A reminder of the Israelites who were persecuted, pursued through the Jordan. They went through those waters and were rescued. And so as we go through the difficulties of this life, hold on, hang in there. Jesus overcame. We can overcome in him. Secondly, Jesus reminds us and showed us that he has authority over the world and evil. And so when we pray, let your kingdom come, that's what we are saying, is we want to see the kingdom of God. And every now and then we see glimpses of that kingdom come through. 
Not the fullness of it yet, but we see glimpses. And so we pray on that we'll see more and more glimpses of healings, of miracles happen, of lives transformed, of somebody coming to say yes to Jesus. Glimpses of the kingdom of God breaking through. Thirdly, we're reminded that we are never alone. The Holy Spirit is with us just as he was with Jesus in the wilderness and beyond. And in the garden, there, right there in the garden where he's saying, Lord, this is too heavy. Take this cup away from him. He's never alone. You're not alone. Because God promises to be with us. And finally, you are loved. In you, the Father is well pleased. I want to finish with a little story that somebody shared. Um, A little girl was having a conversation with her mum saying, Mommy, where you have all the answers all the time. Mommy says, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, well, what does God spend all day doing? Mommy thinks, well, I usually have all answers, but that one is a bit of a crazy question. How do I answer that? What does God spend all day doing? <gasps> and Mommy says, God spends all all day mending broken things. That's you and me. That's all those people in those countries that we mentioned. He spends all day, and that's his heart, is to come and mend the broken world. Let's pray. As we pray... You might be here this morning and you haven't said yes to Jesus. I'm going to say a prayer. Do pray quietly in your heart and just let me know at the end if you've said that prayer. And so I pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you died for me. Help me now to say yes to you. Come, Holy Spirit, and help me to live for Jesus. I am now a child of God. Amen. If you said that prayer, please let me know at the end. I also want to pray for encouragement. If you're here this morning and you're feeling discouraged for whatever reason, I pray that God will encourage you. Lord, I pray for encouragement for anybody like that. Lord, I pray that you will bring restoration where there is brokenness. Holy Spirit, that you will fill us in you and help us to live for you every day. We're going to continue our service and Jane will lead us in Holy Communion.